I love that baptism number going up week by week. Absolutely love it. And so proud of Amy and Lisa. Man, it just doesn't get any better, y'all. I told him, you know, you already got baptized on the way in because of the rain. But anyway, we're glad you're here. Now, I know it's a, my name's David Vaughn. Welcome. Let's welcome our online campus with us this morning as well. Those of you in the room, glad you're here. Now, I know it's a weird question to ask on Mother's Day, but here you go. Are you ready? How many of you have someone that you want to get even or seek revenge with? Especially if you're a mom, right? I mean, maybe it's your kids, grandkids. I see your hands there online. I, I, raise your hand now. How many of y'all like raise your hand if you like have some revenge issues? I got to pay back. Yeah, I got the right crowd. If you're trying to get even with somebody today, today's message is for you. If you're looking for payback, this is your moment. I'm going to give you some helpful advice on how to do that. And I would just ask you this question if you're trying to get even with somebody today, those of you watching online, those of you in the room, here's my question. How's that working for you? Probably not good. What if there was another option I could give you to pursue? This message today is actually for anyone who wants to live their life with more peace and less rage. And can I just say right now, we live in a culture where less rage would be a wonderful thing to see. Would you not agree? We live in a time, a society, when it is the age of rage. So if you're struggling, especially with revenge-seeking, you have a choice to make. You can choose revenge, or what I'm going to say is radical love. The kind of love, radical love, that a man named Jesus taught in one of the best sermons ever delivered called the Sermon on the Mount. We're unpacking this whole sermon this year. We're just doing a whole year on Matthew 5, 6, 7. We're going back to the basics. The kind of love I'm talking about this morning goes beyond the ordinary human response. It moves to an extraordinary heavenly kind of response. What Jesus is going to teach us, you and I today, especially me, <laughs> is that there's a different way and option to deal with the things that people do to you that you are uh, undeserving to receive. A third way, a third option, the way of radical love. And this stuff that I'm going to talk about today, trust me, it works. Even if you don't believe the Bible yet, even if you don't think Jesus wasn't or isn't the Son of God, this stuff works. So lean in. I want you to listen today for the third option, the third way. And let me just tell you right up front that the scriptures I'm going to read to you right now are difficult for me. I'm not doing this stuff. I don't want to do this stuff. I have not done this stuff from time to time. Let, let me read it to you. See if you're with me. You have heard, Jesus says, and that's a phrase he uses a lot. This is what you did here. Now I'm going to tell you something that, that, that what you should do. You have heard, it said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. This is revenge stuff. You did something to me, I'm going to do something to you. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other also. I ain't doing that. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. I don't think so. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. I might do that. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. <laughs> How are we doing on that? I know it may dis disappoint you to know your pastor is not perfect. You think too highly of me. 
I'm not doing this stuff. I got a preacher friend who used to tell his congregation all the time, I'm not perfect, you know, I'm not perfect, you know. One lady came up to him and said, Pastor, we've had other pastors tell us they weren't perfect, but you're the first one we believed. (laughs) That may be true for you. I have not arrived. I want to be a practitioner like you. Probably no other part of the Sermon on the Mount has been so misinterpreted, misunderstood, misapplied than these verses. Some interpret these scriptures to mean that we are be like sanctimonious doormats as Christians and just let people walk all over us and abuse us. That's not abuse us. That's not what Jesus intended here. Trust me. These verses we're going to cover today, however, call us to a higher level, a higher standard of living, of thinking, of loving. It's love of another kind, and it's going to sound radical. So much so that someone called these commands the RLCs, the Radical Love Commands. So we're going to go deep today. It's going to challenge you. It's going to challenge me. I want you to seek, though, the third way, the Jesus way. My simple thesis today is this, that Jesus wants us to practice radical love when what we really want is revenge and payback. He wants us to practice love of another kind when everything within us wants revenge and payback. And I don't know if you noticed or not, but revenge and getting revenge and seeking revenge is pretty popular in our culture. We have a whole genre of movies organized around the dominant themes of justice and revenge. This is pretty much the plot line of every Rambo movie, The Punisher, and all 16 of the Taken movies. I have a particular set of skills. I'm not really, I'm not as good as Liam. The newest revenge movie on Amazon Prime is named Without Remorse. And in all these movies, the hero is the one who is like hunting down the bad guys to take revenge on his enemies. And often the doormat becomes becomes the person of payback because haven't you heard? This sounds like something Jesus say. Have you not heard? Revenge is a dish best served cold. Is that really true? See, the Old Testament did indeed teach justice, an eye for an eye. Jesus is referring here to what is often called the lex talionis. It was Latin for the law of the tooth, (laughs) the law of retaliation. It's mentioned several times in the Old Testament. It sounds kind of gruesome, but when you think more and dig deeper into this, the intent of the Old Testament law was meant to avoid escalating the, the punishment. The purpose of this law was not to give you permission to go get revenge on those who hurt you, but it was to limit the punishment that could be measured out so that the punishment fit the crime. It, was, it, it meant to be, it's just, if somebody wrongs you, it's just an eye for an eye. It's only an eye for an eye, only a tooth for a tooth. It, it was to keep people who were wrong from going beyond that, which we like to do. There's a guy named Lamech in the Old Testament. He put it this way in Genesis 4.23. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for injuring me. You see the unlimited revenge. You knocked out my tooth, I'm going to knock off your head. So this teaching was meant to avoid, in their culture, their community, escalating the punishment, but also ensure that the right person would dispense that judgment. I don't know if you know this, but when someone has wronged you, you're probably not very objective. You're probably a little emotional. You probably like, like to be judge and jury both. This is why they established in the Jewish culture and the Jewish nation 
things called the cities of refuge. These were cities strategically placed in location so that if you accidentally murdered someone, you would flee to this city where they would protect you and give you a fair court hearing before this person called the avenger of blood got to you first. They had this dude. It was usually the next family member in line. You, you, you murdered somebody accidentally. You killed them accidentally. You took off running to the city because if the avenger of blood got you before you got to the city, you were done. That was their law. I'm going to come back to that city of refuge later because what they had was revenge. This law, though, is trying to promote justice. The idea of the law of the tooth means that it is God's job to repay people, not yours. Here's how Paul put it, Romans 12, is writing to a people in the city of Rome who were used to revenge. Listen to these verses. Imagine what our world would look like if, imagine what our city would look like if we just abided by these. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. I love that verse, and I love that it says if. If it is possible. There are some people, have you figured this out? It's not possible to live at peace with them. Come on now. I'm going to talk about trying to live at peace with them. As far as it depends on you, do your best, but sometimes it's not possible. But do not take revenge, my dear friends. Leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. But David, aren't we supposed to be God's helpers? I would like to help him with the revenge. No, that's not your job. On the contrary, here's the way, the third option, the radical love. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. See, there is a third way, a higher, better option. A way that doesn't say, I am right, you are wrong. A way that doesn't produce just winners and losers, victors and victims. A way that would show the world in a stunning way that Jesus is actually Lord and leader of your life. An option that goes beyond just the minimum of the written law or word, where it's not tit for tat or quid pro quo. It's the way of radical love over relational revenge. And in this text in Matthew 4, in these four short verses, Jesus gives us four examples of what this radical love over revenge might look like day to day. All four of these you will encounter. All four of these I have encountered. And I wish I had responded the way that Jesus would want me to all the time. So I'm a fellow learner with you. The first area that Jesus talked about is found in verse 39. It's the area of insults. I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other also. Jesus is speaking here of, I mean, we don't like getting slapped today, do we? There's no such thing as like jack slap for Jesus. Okay, that's not the way it works. But Jesus is speaking here of a backhanded slap across the right cheek of a person by striking them in the face. And if it's disrespectful today, it was exceedingly demeaning and disrespectful as an act then. What does this radical love command mean? Turn the other cheek. Well, let me tell you what it doesn't mean. Jesus is not prohibiting self-defense or protecting others from harm. We are to stand up for ourselves as well as the oppressed. Now, this is important because some through human history 
have misinterpreted these words to say that we should not resist any evil at all. Years ago, it was Russian writer and philosopher Leo Tolstoy who famously used these words of Jesus to argue that we should get rid of the military, the courts, and the police force altogether and just let evil play itself out. Seems like I hear some misguided people saying that in our country today. But that's not what Jesus is saying here. I think what he's saying is when someone hurts you, when someone offends you, when someone upsets you, instead of taking revenge and anger, do the third option, the alternative. Return love to them instead of hate. After World War II, Germany was divided. Some of you know historians here into East and West. The eastern side was under communist control. The western side was occupied by American forces and democracy and freedom. And the capital city of Berlin was divided in a similar fashion. They even erected a barrier that's now been torn down. But do you remember what that wall was? The infamous Berlin Wall. And as the Berlin Wall was going up, East Berliners were resentful of the West Berlin's freedom. And in an, in an act of antagonism, the East Berliners filled a garbage truck, drove it into West Berlin late one night, dumped all the trash all over the streets, and then retreated back to East Berlin on foot. A few days later, that same truck was returned, though, under cover of darkness. But instead of the filthy garbage that the East Berliners expected to see in it, it was full of canned goods and food items. Attached to the food was a sign that said, each gives what each has to give. <laughs> that sounds like the third way. If your enemy is hungry, feed him, heaping burning coals on their head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It sounds like radical love. It sounds like turning the other cheek. Let me a question. What would our world look like? What would this church look like? What would our city look like? What would your home look like? What would your business look like? If we overlooked offenses and insults, instead of being and staying perpetually offended. We live in a culture, could I propose this to you, that is perpetually offended. I don't care what you say about anything. So what is your specific, peculiar insight, right, insight into this? What is your specific insult right now in your life. Think back last week when someone cut you off in traffic, how did you respond? Is that your insult? When someone, I mean, I've got a lot of gestures in my life, but when someone gives me the universal hand gesture of displeasure, <laughs> what is my response? When someone slaps you or assassinates you online, kind of beats you up, how do you respond? There's a part of me that says eye for eye, tooth for tooth. You realize, right, someday I'm going to retire, and I am currently writing a book. I'm just forewarning you. And I'm going to say some things in that book I always wanted to say. I, I'm going to tell tales, and I'm going to name names of some of the honorary people I've pastored, and I'm going to get my revenge. Oh, I got a list. Some of y'all say, I know I'm on that list. I'm naming names. Unless... They contribute to my retirement fund. Then I might pull back their name. But it occurred to me after reading this, you know what? Maybe there's a third way. There's a third option for my book. 
We'll see. Anyway, second area where Jesus says we should practical, show practical, radical love, not just now with offenses or insults, but now he delves into lawsuits. If you've ever been through a lawsuit, you know how that can go. Notice what he says, verse, uh, verse number 40 here, or, uh, yeah, verse number 40 here. This is uh, uh, different in their day than our day, okay? Here's what it says. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. Now, this is interesting. The shirt mentioned here, again, you got to right-size this by their culture versus ours. The shirt mentioned here was this type of undergarment, and it was worn under a coat, an outer garment that actually in their day served as a blanket at night. Most people back then, it's not the way it is now, but most people back then only owned one coat, probably only one or two shirts. Some of y'all don't even know how many shirts and coats you have. So this is not a big deal for you. But this is a huge deal for people back then. They even had laws that said if you borrowed someone's outer garment, you had to return it to them before sunset because that was their only cloak or covering for their body to stay warm. When a person in their day had no money or other possessions to cover a fee or a fine, the court would often require the final judgment be paid by clothing. So it was used in a legal and legitimate claim of someone who was suing you, which is why Jesus uses the word sue in here. Could I suggest to you that we live in one of the most highly litigious societies ever? And good people can turn nasty when lawyers and court cases get involved. Now, this is not a slam against lawyers. We have many in the church here. Thank God for their advice and their expertise. And sometimes a lawsuit is required. I know this. But what if there was a third option, a better way, a higher way, especially among believers? Now, again, you have to right-size this with other scriptures and use your God-given common sense in applying this. You do have a scriptural obligation to take care of your family and to protect your estate and your finances. So if someone is suing you or your business and your livelihood is at stake, your family is at stake, you ought to use every means available in the court to vigorously defend yourself. But do it out of responsibility and security for your family, not out of personal animosity to the person who is suing you. In other words, Jesus is saying, don't go beyond the legal requirements. Don't gouge even though you could. And it sounds radical, but just because you can litigate, just like our teaching on divorce, just because you can get a divorce doesn't mean you should or have to get a divorce. Same thing is true with litigation. There's a sense here, too, that Jesus is lobbying for us not to take matters in our own hands. What we don't need are Christian vigilantes. He's saying, I think you should trust the formal court process of the authorities because they're probably going to be a little bit more objective. He uses the word sue, which implies a legal entity is involved. So here's how Paul put it in Romans 13. I just read you Romans 12. Don't repay evil for evil. The next chapter, the next verse talks about whose job it is to inflict justice, seek justice, punish lawbreakers, protect our country, arrest criminals. Here's what it says. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there's no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Now, keep in mind, he wrote this in the Roman Empire. The authority was the Holy Roman Empire and the Holy and the unholy Roman Empire. He's calling the Roman government who were killing Christians, he's calling them, think about that third alternative, that third way, third option, submit to the governing authorities. 
Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Now, the authorities, the police, the the military, they should do what's right. There are cases when that is not the case. But by and large, he says, do you want to be free from the fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. I love the King James Version. They do not bear the sword in vain. They do not bear the weapon, the pistol, the taser in vain, for they are God's servants. He repeats it again. Agents of wrath to bring punishment on the evil or wrongdoer. So it's their job to seek justice, not yours. Your job is to pursue the third way, that of being and showing radical love. There's a third area of demonstrating radical love, and we talk about insults. He just talks about lawsuits. Then he's going to talk now about forced actions and going what we call in our cultures, where we get the phrase, the second mile. This is fascinating here. Verse 41, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. And I'm not talking about your walk you know, around the park in Cleves or on Route 50 or one of our great, uh, you know, Cincinnati Park. It's not talking about that kind of walk. In their day, going the extra mile had a whole other connotation. The Jews in Jesus' day were under Roman occupation, and they had a law that uh, the Roman soldiers could stop you as a Jew at any time and force you to carry their belongings, their, their backpack, but only for a prescribed distance. For example, some of y'all remember, and we covered this in the extensions that we did not long ago, the soldiers pressed a man the last week of Jesus' life named Simon of Cyrene, a man of color, to carry the cross of Christ. And I bet all his life he was so proud of carrying that burden for Jesus. But in their day, it was bad enough to be forced to do something you didn't want to do. But the ultimate offense in their day as a Jew was to carry equipment for the enemy who occupied your homeland. The Roman mile was about 1,000 paces, 4,800 feet, just shy of a modern mile. So Jesus says, if someone forces you to go one mile, Choose the way of radical response. Double the distance. One mile is, as the title of our series, one mile, never enough. Show this kind of radical love that goes beyond what is required. And when your two miles are completed, when you think about it, that Roman soldier, in a sense, owed you an extra mile. It was an extra mile that one of your fellow Jews did not have to travel. You're kind of paying it forward with radical love. So let me ask you a question. What opportunities this week could you find to go the extra mile for someone. Is it convenient? No. Some of the best ministry opportunities come at the most inconvenient times. It's Mother's Day. I heard about a single mom that was hurrying to the pharmacy to pick up some medication for her children. And when she got back to the car, she found that she she accidentally locked her keys inside her car because she was in a hurry. She looked around, didn't know what to do. She saw an old rusty coat hanger there on the ground. She looked at it and said, you know what? I know you you can use this to open up a car, but she tried it and she couldn't get it done. She bowed her head, starting to get a little frustrated. And she said, God, please send me somebody to help get my car door open. Within two minutes, a a motorcycle pulled up by, driven by a pretty burly, intimidating guy. He had a beard. He's all tatted up, wearing a skull rag. He got off his motorcycle. He said, can I help you? And she said, well, 
kind of a little hesitantly. She said, I, I locked my keys in the car. I have to get back home. Can you use this coat hanger to unlock my car? He said, sure. He walked over to the car. Less than 60 seconds, the car was open. She thanked him. She said out loud, thank you, God, for sending me such a very nice man. The guy heard her prayer and he said, lady, I'm not really that nice of a guy. I actually just got out of prison yesterday. I was in prison for car theft. <laughs> the woman thanked the man again and said, thank you, God. You answered my prayer and you even sent me a professional. <laughs> man, you're going to have lots of opportunity to go the extra mile if you just look for the third option. Radical love said, I'm going to go beyond what's required today. So let me ask you, what, what would going beyond what's required, going the extra mile, what would that look like at your work this week for you and your boss? What would going the extra mile look like in your school? What would going the extra mile look like in this church? What would going the extra mile look like in your marriage? What would going the extra mile look like with your, your kids or, or your grandkids? Or on Mother's Day, your mother, beyond just Mother's Day, or your mother-in-law. What, what would that look like, going the extra mile? Jesus is asking us to embrace the third option, the third way. In lawsuits, in insults, in actions, and then notice one other area he wants us to show radical love in, has to do with requests that people make of us, especially requests to give. Notice what he says here. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Any of y'all got any friends that are always borrowing stuff and never loaning you stuff? Now, this one is a problem for me, uh, because as some of you know and have heard me teach before, I, mercy is not always my highest gift. Some of you know that I once told a sketchy guy one time who came to church to ask for money, and I gave it to him because he asked me, and I said to him, feel so bad about it, kind of. I said to him, if you're lying to me and you, you're not telling me the truth, may God strike you dead. I saw him walking around, though, not long ago, so maybe he was telling the truth. <laughs> Clearly, you, you have a wonderful pastor with a pastoral gift and a pastoral <laughs> care. But this, this principle sinks well with Proverbs 3, and this has been on my mind. And again, I'm trying to do it. Proverbs 3.27 says, Do not withhold good from those whom, from whom it is due, when it is in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow, I'll give it to you when you already have it with you. Don't use that as an excuse. Jesus is saying that them asking you a favor is an opportunity not for refusal, but an opportunity to show radical love, choosing the third option. Now, once again, you've got to balance this with all the other scriptures. I can already hear it. Somebody watching this said, David, I think you should give me your house. David, I think you should give me your car. David, I really want something valuable, like your new tailor-made driver. I think God told you preached on it. It does not automatically mean you are mandated to give it stuff away. My dad was a pastor, and my mom and dad returned from dinner one evening with friends to be greeted by a man on their front porch who claimed to be Jesus Christ, who proceeded to tell them that they were obligated because he was Jesus, that they were obligated to give him some money since that's who he was. 
Now, my dad was pretty quick on his feet, said, great, you're Jesus. Let me see your hands and feet because <laughs> my Jesus has nail-scarred hands. N no money was exchanged. You know, I've been thinking about my dad. His response seems a lot more spiritual than may God strike you dead. That's all I'm saying. He taught me a lot. So we are to be generously and loan freely, but we're supposed to be wise and discerning. There are examples when it's not wise or godly to give someone what they ask for, especially if you know it will hurt them in the long run. We call that helping that hurts, and we want to avoid that. But sometimes you just discern, this is the right time, this is the right place, someone's asking, and maybe I've got two coats or two of something else. I was walking through the building a while back, saw a fellow leader that, that I love who was uh, leading a group uh, at a class with some other guys in the building that night. I saw him in the landing and I was talking to him and I, I just want to make sure the room was set up for him. I said, hey, uh, good to see you. I said, uh, is there anything you need? I was kind of talking like, is the tech work? Is the room uh, hot, cold, right? Unbeknownst to me, a guy in his group had walked up and some of these guys were, had really struggled with some things. Unbeknownst to me, that guy walked up and when I asked the question, do you need anything? Instead of that guy that I was talking to, that leader answered, the guy next to him that I didn't see answered. He said, actually, yes, I need a microwave. It's, it's kind of an odd thing to ask. I said, really? Tell me about that. He told me. I said, oh, okay, well, you know, we'll, see. we'll do what all super Christians do. I'll pray about it. <laughs> but, you know, and he went back to their group. But I was heading through the building, and I, this verse came to my mind. If, you know, if a man has two coats, if a man has two microwaves, you know, uh, do not uh, say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow, I'll give it to you when you already have it in your hand. So I was walking by the church kitchen. I looked in there and there, you know what, there's a microwave in there, y'all. I said, how many microwaves do we have? So I unplugged it and I carried it all the way around to that room where they were meeting. I dropped it on the chair and I said, here, God loves you and so do we. And I walked away. You should have seen his face. I immediately got back and I emailed our executive team. I said, FYI, <laughs> if someone is, notices there's a microwave missing in the kitchen, I can tell you where it came from. Now, I don't know what the lesson is here. Please do not take this stuff as you leave here and give it away from the building without <laughs> permission. I, I can do that every once in a while. But every once in a while, it feels good to grant a request, to respond with the third option, the way of Jesus. Instead of insults and lawsuits and actions and requests that are turned down, this is the way, the Jesus way. So as I close, let me give you three, what I call RLC, Radical Love Command applications. And I want to teach you to do these things this week. John and I often say to you, the, your main thing is, what are you telling me, Jesus, and what do you want me to do about it this week? Go apply this this week. Because some of y'all say, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that, that, I, I agree with that. And then you'll go walk right out of here, and you will never obey it. You'll never do it. You'll never try it. And Satan will have you forget about it. Here's some applications. Number one, this week, and it will occur to you this week, practice mercy rather than revenge. When somebody insults you, does something bad, Recall James 2.13, mercy triumphs over judgment. Remember what Jesus said here today. Remember what he said uh, several months ago, blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. Our society is seeing, in my opinion, an ever-increasing intense sense of justice 
for the wrongs that are committed in our world. Yay, God, for that. Some of that's long overdue. But the problem with our culture is they only want revenge. They don't want to give forgiveness. They have no means because they don't follow Jesus of offering and receiving forgiveness. So we have a vicious cycle. And people like to blame. And people like to call people out. They practice revenge and not mercy. So here's the three little words I want you to say to yourself every time an opportunity comes your way. You ready for three words? Here's my chance. When someone insults you, when someone says, I'm going to sue you, when someone asks you to do something that's inconvenient, when someone requests you, here's my chance. This is what Jesus was talking about. That's what Pastor Dave was talking about. Here's my chance. Do it and then tell me how it worked out. Number two application, go beyond what is required. JT will talk about this more next week, but in all these examples today, turning the other cheek, giving your coat, going the second mile, giving freely if asked. We are asked to go beyond what is required for that and embrace that third way, that third option of extending undeserved, unbelievable generosity. (laughs) It's kind of what moms do every day when you think about it. So go beyond what is required and watch what happens. Here's my chance to go beyond. And then number three application, because you won't always see it on this earth, Trust God with the results. Trust God with the ultimate results of how people treat you. It says over in 1 Peter 2.23, when they hurled their insults at him, this is Jesus, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted, there's that word, he trusted himself to him who judges justly. You can trust God with the results. He's good, he's just, he's powerful. He will see that ultimate justice is done. But that's his job, that's not your job. It's not your burden to bear. Friend, he came once to earth as a savior. He is coming back again as a judge and a rewarder and he will set things straight. That's not your job though. Your job is to choose the third option because that's the option Jesus chose. See, as Christians today, we are called to radical love over revenge every single time. It's in the bloodline of our Savior, and that royal blood should flow through our body too. Think about it. Jesus modeled all the things, all of these things that we've talked about today. He modeled them in response to his critics and his enemies, the insults, the requests, the burdens that he carried. He went that extra mile right up to Golgotha's hill and died on the cross. The only person, think about that, the only person in human history who had the right to retaliate, the ultimate victim, the ultimate oppressed, showed love to the oppressor. He chose the third way. He chose the way of radical love. That's because he was the way, the truth, and the life. That means we got to choose that if we walk in his nail printed feet and hands way. And don't think the world is not watching. Don't think they will not pay attention when we follow him the way he says to here. I've been looking, taking a hard look at my life, and it's not as pretty as I want you to see it to be because our selfish, overreact, our selfish overreaction, mine included, is the natural result of sinful human behavior. The person who is a non-defensive, non-vengeful, never bears a grudge in his or her heart, 
is the person, here's their secret, they have died to self. To fight for one's rights sounds so American, but to fight for your rights all the time is proof that self is still on the throne of your heart. I want my rights. I want my rights. That's because you're a U.S. citizen. That's not because you're a Christian. You want to know the only real, listen to me, you want to know the only real right you have in God's kingdom as a Christ follower? The right to die, to pick up your cross and follow him. And there are no comfort zones on a cross, friend. Our job is to lay down our rights and our privileges, turn the other cheek, because that's what Jesus did. That's what changed the world. They treated those Christians, early Christians, so bad, yet they turned it around in love. And when you start to do that and you follow the nail-pierced hands and feet who gave up everything for you, there will be a supernatural sweetness of disposition that is humble and bold and beautiful and beneficial. And this is the truth that Jesus is teaching us in this very profound passage There is a third way, a third option. Pursue it. Quit demanding your rights. Follow the one who gave up his rights so we could be righteous. And that same radical love, that same radical spirit demonstrated by him, if modeled in our city, in our church, in your home, in your school, in your place of work, will move you from revenge to forgiveness. It will move you to a second mile mentality that will change this world and change your world for the better. Here's my chance. And if you're not a Christ follower today, you're watching online or you're in this room, could I just say to you there's a better way, the Jesus way too? I mentioned the city of refuge earlier. All of us are running to something or running from something. And I encourage you because we're all guilty of spiritual murder in a lot of ways of Jesus Christ and fellow Christians. I encourage you to flee to that city of refuge today. And today, it's not just a place. It's a person. And his name is Jesus. Jesus.